Today we move on the church calendar from thinking about Thanksgiving to looking ahead to Christmas. Um, that doesn't seem possible, does it? All those stores have been thinking ahead of Christmas for like two months already. Um, church tradition sets aside the four weeks leading up to Christmas, and they call it Advent season. It's a term that some of you probably have heard of before. Advent simply means waiting for the arrival of a notable person or a thing or an event. So Advent season in the church is the four weeks leading up to Christmas where the church, we as Christian people, expectantly wait and prepare for remembering about the arrival of Jesus, the most notable person ever to walk the face of the earth. And we're going to talk about Jesus today in a little while. Um, so Advent is a time when we, we, we do something. We try to look beneath the cultural celebration of Christmas, and it's good. The cultural celebration can be good, right? It's times of, with family and friends. That can be good. That can be challenging, but it's good. Um, it's times of feasting. You know, in Scripture, God had feasts for his people to, to celebrate his goodness. So Christmas is a time of feasting, kind of like Thanksgiving. It's a time of celebrating generosity. We give gifts to people. So those are all good things. But at Advent, we kind of make sure that we take a step back and we look beneath all of that and remember what the most important meaning is of Christmas. And it's, it's what? It's remembering Jesus. It's remembering that Jesus has come to us. So each of the weeks of Advent, from this Sunday through the next Sundays for four weeks, um, each one is designed to help us remember something pertaining to Jesus and his character and his qualities. So each week has a theme. Week one, is the theme is hope. Week two, peace. Week three, love. And week four, joy. And part of the way that, that these themes are celebrated is by having an Advent wreath. And some of you, it's unfamiliar, and some of you are very familiar with an, with an Advent wreath. And it has four colored candles around the outside. Generally, there's no exact right way or wrong way to do this, but if, if you were to go online and order Advent candles, these are the colors you would get. And there's three purple candles on the outside, and each one you light every week. The three purple candles represent the royalty of Jesus. And then the pink candle, which is the last one on the last Sunday we light, is, symbolizes joy. And then the white candle you light on for us, it'll be Christmas Eve this year. We'll light it on Christmas Eve, because that's a Sunday, um, Christmas Eve morning. And that's white, and it rem represents the, the purity of Jesus, the one who came as the perfect, spotless lamb. And so um, today, we're going to light the first candle. And the first candle is hope. And so let's light the hope candle in the last couple of years, I've used battery-operated candles, and I've had multiple people say to me, couldn't you please use real candles? <laughs> and so, for all of you who asked me that, you get real candles today. <laughs> so, used to do real candles, but then it just seems so much easier to turn on that little battery. Um, but hope. And so, hope, there's all kinds of things we could think of with hope related to Christmas, related to Jesus, but there's a particular thing about hope that we want to remember 
during the Advent season. It's the hope tied to the fulfilled prophecies pertaining to Jesus, that people hoped in what God said would happen, and what God says happens. So the story of Jesus' birth actually began long before a baby in a manger and Mary riding on a donkey. Long before that, and actually Suzanne and I are going to co-do the sermon today. We're going to talk a lot about that today. We're going to back it way back to the very beginning. Um, but, but what we have here, it, what the idea of hope, is this idea that God promised, that particularly the people of Israel, that he would one day provide a Messiah or a Savior to them that would save them from their sins. And for centuries, the people had this hope in their hearts that the Messiah would come one day. The prophet Isaiah, one of the major prophets, uh, you find them in your Old Testament, the major prophets of the people of Israel, promised this, prophesied this about the coming Messiah. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. This is a sign, it says, of the coming of the one who comes to save you. The virgin will give birth to a child. That's what happened in Mary. The virgin will give birth to a child, and will give birth to a son, rather, and will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy. When Jesus came, he was the fulfillment of that prophecy and all kinds of other prophecies scattered through the prophets in the Old Testament. So Christmas is a time where we renew hope in the sense that we have hope that what God has promised will come to pass. Christmas renews our hope. It reminds us again that when God makes a promise, God fulfills his promises. And it, it, as we start Advent and as we enter into the, the Christmas season, I would just ask you to sit with the Lord in these coming weeks and ask yourself this question. What are the promises of God that you've been holding on to that maybe your hope has begun to dwindle toward a little bit? That you one time had great hope, you know, the salvation of your family and friends, the the provision that you need, the, the, um, you know, the, the things that, that you feel like God spoke into your life, things he wanted you to do. What are those promises? Christmas reminds us of this hope. God keeps his promise. If he'd promised that a virgin would give birth to a child and he'd be God with us, we can trust the promises that he keeps because he kept that promise. You know, and one of the most important promises that we remember at Christmas is that Jesus came as a baby in a manger, but he promised that he's going to come back. That our incarnate Savior, Jesus, and we're going to talk about some of these ideas of who Jesus really is in a minute, but he is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. And he promised that one day when the Father says so, he's coming back. And he's going to make all things new. Can you imagine this? New bodies in a new heaven and a new earth. Anybody have any aches and pains when they woke up this morning? I was talking to some people before church, and they're talking about how when they get up in the morning, they walk like this so they don't tip over. I said, yeah, I've joined the club. That's how I go to the bathroom in the morning. It's like I look like a 100-year-old man walking, you know, going, going out to pass my bed. New bodies in a new heaven and new earth forever. That's what God has promised us. All the other promises he, he's made, he's kept. And at Christmas, we remember hope. We have hope 
because the promises he's made about the future are still going to come true. So Christmas renews our hope in all the promises of God. So this Christmas season, week one of Advent, let your hearts be filled with hope. Amen? Suzanne, why don't you come? Good morning, beautiful church family. Um, So I get to do announcements and offering today. So um, this morning we get to have a family service. So that means that all of our beautiful kids get to stay in here with us. Isn't that awesome? Yes. Um, So I'm going to ask our our ushers to get ready for the offering. Um, And so, you know, this week, like Mark said, we got to celebrate Thanksgiving. And we have so much to be thankful for. And um, so what do we do here at Portview? We give what? our first and our best, because he deserves it all. And, you know, this season of, of the year, we just remember how blessed we really are. Even if, if we have the least among us, we are still so blessed. So, Lord, we just thank you so much that today as we stand and we sit here in our church community, Lord, we are just so reminded, Lord, of all that you've done for us. Lord, that we are blessed to sit alongside our brothers and sisters and be reminded of your goodness to us. Lord, to be reminded, Lord, of your grace that is sufficient, Lord, to meet every need that we have. And so, Lord, we thank you that today we can give just back to you a fraction, Lord, of what you have given to us. So we give you our first and our best today. So, Lord, be honored and be blessed today in our in your holy, mighty name. Amen. So today it might be your first time with us. Um, If it is, welcome. Um, um, In the seat front, um, in front of you or up on the screen, you'll see um, there's some guest cards that you can either fill out with a pen and and a pen or pencil, or you can take your phone and screenshot, or not screenshot, <laughs> take your um, camera and kind of scan that. Uh, we would just love to get to know you. This isn't like a hard sell thing. It's just we would love to get to know you, and if you would like to be known, we would love to do that. Um, what it does is it basically gets you on a list that you'll get to know our events that go on here, and um, we'll get you that information, and you can become as involved as you would like. Um, But we just believe that our community here is full of loving people. Um, One of the mottos here at at Portview is we're people who care. And I I feel like we do that pretty well. And so we would just really like to care about you well. Um, So we would love to get to know you. Um, Just a few um, announcements real quick. Um, We've been promoting some of these Go Team events that we have coming up. And we have two that are coming up. Um, One will be this coming Saturday on December 2nd. And that's our souls for Jesus. And by souls, I mean the soles of your shoes to reach the souls or the heart for Jesus. Um, And Liz and Mark Fisher are leading that one, if you want to just stand up for a minute. Um, Right there. Um, This one is a family event. Uh, Actually, both of what I'm talking about uh, for families. Um, this one will be in Mequon, and they're going to be t- um, taking shoes that have been collected and getting them ready to send over to Africa um, to uh, give to people who don't have shoes. So that one um, is one that you can sign up for. It's uh, December 2nd. I'm getting used to my new glasses. So usually I have to take them off. 
but to read, I'm trying to figure out where I can read this. 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. <laughs> uh, so you can um, go on our uh, app to sign up, or there's a sign-up sheet out in the Connection Center. The other Go Team um, outing that we have is at City on a Hill, and that one is with Pastor Mitch. Um, this one is on December 15th, which is a Friday night. Um, this is a great family outing. So this one, you can actually go and serve. This is called Festival of Lights. So you can go and participate to serve or uh, actually serve, or they also just need families to go and just be Christian families that love on people. Okay? How, how much greater is that than to just show up and just be a light? to be a heart and a body that just loves people for Jesus. So those are two things that you can do. We would love to have, I believe it's 25 people for each of those events. Um, so you can, again, go sign up. There's either sign up sh- hard copy sign-up sheets out in the Connection Center, or you can go to our Church Center app to sign up. Next Saturday, uh, we are having an open house at Pastor Mitch and Amy's house um, in Grafton from 5 to 8. This is just a come hang out with the pastors. We're going to have some hors d'oeuvres and stuff like that. It's just, we would just like to hang out with you, okay? So again, from 5 to 8, there's um, more information and a link, again, on our church center app, or you can talk to one of us. And then next Sunday after church, there is a membership meeting. If you are interested in becoming a member, we would love to get to know you. Um, So come It's just a short meeting, not very long, but we would just like to um, uh, answer any questions you might have about that. So I think that's it for the announcements, but um, we just have a lot of really good stuff going on, and we would just really like to get to know you. So if you have any questions about any of that, just come and see. Anybody who's standing around can answer any of your questions, really, okay? So now, Mark, if you want to come join me, (laughs) we can talk. We can talk. (laughs) Uh-oh, we have to talk? Yes, we can talk. You know, Suzanne scared me one day. She said to me, she said, can we begin a dialogue about something? We've been married 34 years, and she never asked me to have to start a dialogue, and it made me nervous. You know what her dialogue was about? Whether or not I'd paint all the shutters of the house. Because she knew I wouldn't want to pull them all down and paint them all. And, uh, well, he didn't paint them. I just asked him to pull them all down so yeah, I could paint them. And put them back up. Yeah. So we did. It was a team, you know. It was a team effort. Wonder Twins. Yeah. You know, we, we did do it. We got it done. And, yep. uh, but when, now when she tells, wants to talk to me about something, she says, can we have a dialogue? Start a, start a dialogue. That usually means she's going to. Uh, I feel like you have to reposition because I can't see people over here. Can't, you can't, well, the good looking ones are on the right yes. or the left <laughs> or the middle. I'm there. not sure. I just feel like I can't have my back to people over here. So, there, that's better. Well, today, um, reason we're together um, is we're starting a little short series that's going to be three weeks called A Journey to Christmas. And um, for the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of the characters from the Christmas story and consider how they got to being in their part of the Christmas, the Christmas mm-hmm. drama. You know, how'd they get there? And, uh, and so Suzanne and I are going to do one week. Pastor Mitch will do a week, and Pastor Paul will do a week. And looking at the, the main characters of the Christmas story, 
-hmm. And uh, you had some thoughts you wanted to share about yeah. that as we just, even before we get into the real topics. Yeah, I just wanted to say, um, I was driving uh, last week and I this thought came to me, I'm like, I'm just so thankful that we're doing this topic today because it comes right at the heels of Thanksgiving. And a lot of times what happens is, who feels like Thanksgiving is just kind of like this really short holiday, like this really short yeah, like this really short season where it's like thankful, like thankful, really short, and then all of a sudden Christmas. And then we focus on like, and I'm not, just hear what I'm saying before you like jump all over me. But <laughs> then we, we go like microscopic right into Jesus's birth, right? And not that we're not thankful for it, but I feel like we miss the real gratitude of the big picture, that we go from this macro picture of Jesus to just baby Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah. So instead of... Instead so we make of, Jesus smaller than yes. he really is. So it's like we put baby Jesus under the microscope instead of looking at the big picture Jesus. And today we're looking at the big picture Jesus, which I'm just so thankful for. And I feel like the timing is so appropriate because it's right at the heels of, thanks, of Thanksgiving. And I just feel like today we have a really good merger of thanks, thankfulness with Jesus. And so I'm, I'm hoping that at the end of this we're able to walk away with just a really good... Um, jump off into Thanksgiving with this real heart of gratitude, or yes, I'm sorry, a real good jump off into Christmas with a real heart of gratitude and Thanksgiving and, and joy mm -hmm. as we enter into it with a really good focus. Yeah. As we think so. of Jesus in terms, the way he's described in scripture, which is so much bigger than a baby in a manger. Correct. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, so that's what we want to talk about today. You know, we're, yeah. we, get the, we get the easy part. We get to talk about the star of the show. Right, you know Jesus, yeah. and um, and this is what we're going to think. We want to think about today. We're going to think about a process today, like how did Jesus get there? How did Jesus get to the baby in the manger? How did he go from where he was to being the baby in the manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger with you know a mom and a dad in a in a in a barn? Mm -hmm. How did how did how did that all happen? And we were thinking about how can we, how can you communicate? Actually, we were leading a silent prayer retreat. And this all, we've planned, this, you know, we plan what we're going to speak like way, way, way in advance all the time. We try to think about what's God asking us to do. And it was a silent prayer retreat. We were talking about how can we best communicate this big picture of Jesus? How did Jesus get there? And we had this idea of saying, well, let's talk about the key concepts that are directly tied to Jesus from the Christmas story that, I mean, not from the Christmas, from all of Scripture that reveal the movement or the journey of Jesus to the manger. Because I think of a lot of times if I said, tell me about the journey of Jesus to the manger, you would say uh, he ride on the, rode on, his, his mother rode on the back of a donkey to Bethlehem. That's the journey to the manger. And, and that's true, but that's the micro. And that's so then we get this, we get this small image of Jesus. And and we want, to, we want to back off, and we want to see the big, eternal picture of Jesus so that he's elevated in your heart and your minds, so that when you walk through Christmas, you see this, the majesty, the awesomeness, awesomeness of Jesus. 
how great he really is. And so we're going to talk about some four key concepts, and we'll go through them one at a time. And, and each concept, we actually have a picture, a piece of artwork that we have permission to use, <laughs> um, that in some way we hope will help you to remember the concepts. Because remember, whenever we're communicating up here, we're not just trying to, to talk. We're trying to, um, to help all of us get a better grasp of something. And some people, you'll see a picture, and it'll help you grasp it more fully or remember it better. And so the first one we're going to talk about is the Trinity. And so let's, first of all, tell us about just that, and then we'll talk about why Trinity. Yeah, so obviously this is the Trinity, and so on your right, um, it starts with God the Father. So the, the, the hand, it just from the... the reaching down. Reach, yeah, the hand reaching down. Then the center is the cross. So God, God the Father is the far right. God the Son is the middle. And God the Holy Spirit with the dove. Um, so it's the full representation of the full trinity. And I just really liked the, the full picture of that. Some people might say, you know, it's a little too um, traditional. Um, but I happen to like the stained glass and all of it. But I, I just thought it was a full representation of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So, so. why talking about Jesus' journey to the manger would we start with Trinity? Mm-hmm. It's the only, it is the starting place. Here's why. Mm-hmm. Trinity is the starting place. Everything mm-hmm. has begun that we know of in Trinity. Now you say, what do you mean? God is described in Scripture, and we'll look at a couple verses in a minute, as Trinity, as three in one, Mm -hmm. as a relationship. That before the heavens and the earth, before us and camels and donkeys and and deer existed, there existed for all of eternity God in Trinity. That God, if you want to understand God, God, you have to think of God properly. You have to think of him not as what we kind of think of. I would say, if I say, Tell, draw me a picture of God, most people would draw a picture of a guy with a beard sitting on a throne, maybe with a scepter or something. They'd say God. And they'd say God the Father. But that's not the picture of God. Mm-hmm. The picture of God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And God has always existed in Trinity he all he today he exists in trinity and he still for and forever for all of eternity will exist in trinity that that is god and if you will get the right picture of god it'll change a lot for you because god in trinity is this he's about relationship mm-hmm. that if you think of god and you want to have an understanding of god and jesus is 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 part of the Trinity, if you want to understand that, you will understand that God exists always forever in loving relationship. That God loves to be with himself. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Get this, God is never lonely. God, some people think this, God created us, humankind, because he needed us. No. God doesn't need anything. God has always existed in Trinity. Now you say, but I could read the Bible and never see the word Trinity. You're right. But we see God revealed in Trinity. Mm -hmm. 
At Jesus' baptism, and it's just, let me read a few couple verses for you. At Jesus' baptism, and it's described in multiple gospels, in the Luke's gospel, the third chapter, 21 and 22, it says this. Now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized. And while he was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like in, in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. So what do we see all at one time? We see God in three persons. You know the song? God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Um, we see God in three persons all at one time. You see, some people don't understand that about God. There's a, there's a teaching in Christianity called modalism. Modalism says this, that God existed in one mode at one time always. So he was at one time in the mode of the Father, one time in the mode of the Spirit, one time in the mode of, as a Son, then as a Spirit. That God existed in that, in that one mode. Because they're trying to grasp their mind around, how can God be one? Because God says he's one. Well, he's one in relationship of the Trinity. And so at the baptism of Jesus, we see this really clearly. We see God the Father speaking from heaven as Jesus the Son is being baptized and the Holy Spirit's descending upon him in the form of all together at one time. In, in um, Genesis, oh, well, we'll skip that for right now. I'll say, uh, get to that in a minute. But um, so we see all of the members of the Trinity to, in, at one time. And it's beyond our comprehension to understand. I had a friend in college who was in a secular college and he wrote a paper about the Trinity. And uh, he said three and one and the, and, the, and the professor scratched it out and said, well, maybe one. She couldn't understand how he was saying you're one but you're three. And his explanation was, well, we can't understand it. It's beyond our understanding but it's revealed that God himself forever and always has existed in perfect, loving, eternal relationship. And so to understand the Trinity, you must understand God as being a relational being who loves, whose love expressing towards one another. Now, I've heard people try to express the Trinity when I, as kind of a new believer, because they may think the Trinity was that. And they do all kinds of things like, oh, the Trinity's like an egg. You know, it's got a shell and a yolk and a white. Or Trinity's like space. It's got height and width and depth. You know, and all those things are okay to say, but they all miss the point. Because the point of the Trinity is not to try to figure out how the three are one and one and three. It's revealed and just understand this. Some of you in this room are really intelligent, and that's great. Some things are beyond your ability to understand because you're not God. And the sooner you understand it, the better you are. You're a created being. And you, you, there's not everything is understandable, but it's revealed. And it's revealed through God's word to us that God is this eternal trinity, this eternal relationship. Who is this relationship of love? And the only way that you can understand the trinity is not by saying, oh, he's like an egg. You know, there's a shell and there's a yolk and there's whites. No, it's an eternal, he is eternal loving relationship. And an author that I love, and he, I don't think he actually coined this, but it was a guy named Baxter Kruger. Anybody read Baxter Kruger? You probably have to do a master's in theology and read Baxter Kruger. Um, but he describes the relationship of the Trinity as the great dance, the great eternal dance. And I actually believe C.S. Lewis used the same term for the Trinity, that it's the great dance. And that, that if you think of God this way, because your concept of God changes everything in your world. 
if you understand, if you think of God, if what, if, uh, if, if what you think of God is God is a crotchety old man in heaven with a club, it changes everything. But if you think of God as loving relationship that's literally in this eternal great dance, dance speaks of joy. And that everything God does is this great dance. We're going to talk about in a little while how that great dance is extended then to humanity. And that everything we do then is part of the great dance. So the Trinity, understanding the Trinity, where did Jesus come from? Jesus came from the Trinity. He came from the great dance. You know. And so I was thinking, what might that relationship of God the Father, God the Son look like? You know, What could it look like? And uh, we were talking about this. I'm like, can you imagine, like, zero tension ever? No one angry at Thanksgiving. Yeah, like, complete, 100% unity all of the time. Yeah. You know? Like, I can't that, imagine. Like, as much as, as much as you love each other, and as much as you're committed to each other, and as much as you will the best for each other, you still have tension, Right? You still have issues. You still have fights. But the great, the great dance, the great—I mean, there would be zero tension. <laughs> I just can't even imagine that perfection and that joy. Yeah, the joy in that perfection. I want—I want it. <laughs> yeah, I want it. Yeah, and that's the hope, right? Mm-hmm. So we talk about hope in the beginning. We're going to get the hope in a little while too. But, mm-hmm. but hope of new heaven, new bodies, new, new earth, you know, new heaven, new earth, new bodies, free from sin. Never have to. So, so one thing we, we wrestle with with God. Um, and so can I tell you something funny? Don't laugh at me. I mean, you can laugh at me, but don't think less of me. Outside of my window, and somebody's going to ask me where it is. There's a tree. It's a pine tree. I think OCS planted it. I think years ago OCS planted um, trees, pine trees. And one of them's a little deformed. And it's got a, like a second branch that comes out of the top. And every day I sit in my office and I look at it out the window. And it's got three points on it. And I always think of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit when I look at the tree. I do all the time. And I pray. I sit in my office chair and I pray and I think of God the Father, God the Son. But I always think of like, well, I'm not really being fair because that one's shorter. And so which one would be God the Father, God the Son? You know why I think that way? Because of sin. My mind is corrupted by sin. You say, well, you're not being sinful. No, no, no. Because I'm human and sin affects me, I'm competitive. I compare and I judge. And so I think one is better, one is less. Because I can't think any other way. I don't know how to think other than well, for all the, we're all three, but one's higher than the other one. One's lower than the other one. This one's prettier. That one's uglier. God doesn't even think that way. Because sin does not corrupt God. We can't even fathom it. We can't even get our brains around. What would it be like? So I look at the tree, and I'm trying to celebrate. And I, you know, glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, you know, who was in the beginning, is now, will be forever, life without end. You know, and I, I think of that, and I pray. But in my mind, I'm corrupted a little bit because I'm thinking, well, that guy's a little taller than that guy, and that guy's really a deformed branch that comes out. You know, God doesn't think that way when he looks at you and me. He doesn't see you ever as a deformed branch. And they don't, they're not, there's no competition in the Trinity. 
And so that's where Jesus started. Total, perfect, loving relationship. We better get moving because we got four parts of this thing, and, and I'm rambling here. She's like, I know. <laughs> I know. That's Keep the I'm train moving, much. partner. <laughs> so starts in Trinity. That's where the journey begins. But where does the journey go to next? Creation. Creation. We see him in creation. What's our creation picture here? Yes. And in this picture, I, I don't know how much you can see, but obviously his hands are holding the world, what he created. And I love this picture because if you look at it up close, his hands are dirty and under the nails are is dirt. And it's like it shows the intimacy in the creation, the involvement in everything that was created. And it just showed like the care and the passion in in what was created. Yeah. So who looks at that and thinks of a song? He's got the whole world in He's his hands. He's got the whole world well, that too, in his hands. He's got the whole Of course. Of course. I think of a song for everything. So. Everything, yes. Everything. So creation, so the Trinity exists forever, and the Trinity in their loving union says something. I don't know how it worked, but something like this, like, hey, I got an idea. Let's create this incredible cosmos and all these stars, and all these galaxies, and all these planets. So if you want to see the, the creativity of God, look at space. And in the middle of all that, let's create a solar system. And in that solar system, let's make one planet that could have, could have life on it. Let's tilt it a certain degrees towards this big blob of burning gas we'll call the sun. And let's create all this stuff, and then let's create people and put them on this sphere that's spinning around in circles and all this solar system going on. The Trinity looked at that and the Trinity is the one who created it. Genesis 1-2 says this, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then in Colossians chapter 1 it says this, for by him, speaking of Jesus, All things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So it's saying, Scripture's revealing that that the Trinity got together, they were always together, and they said, let's create. And they all, in unison, created everything that we know. So that Jesus, it says, is the creator and sustainer of all things. The Spirit hovered over it and God speaks things into existence. We don't know how it all worked, but they, as, this, as this loving relationship, they, they speak all of this that we've ever seen into existence and it's made perfect. What might that have been like? No mosquitoes. No mosquitoes. So this is what I think. Don't you think there must have been like quadrants? So like people who wanted like to ski could go ski in the mountains. And then people who wanted like the perfect temperature at the beach and boating could go there. Don't you think? Like, uh, I, I mean, no, I, I just don't think know. They, were, they, were, they were all perfect so they didn't want to stay on the beach all day every day. Yeah, I mean, but the perfect temperature. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, but perfection. 
It was perfection. perfection. Yeah. I was thinking this. We were talking about it. I thought dogs liked cats and cats didn't eat mice. <laughs> I mean, we can't even think of I mean, you think of this kind of crazy. But think of what the world would be like. There'd be no such thing in the perfect creation because there were dogs and there were cats and there were mice. Mm-hmm. But the dogs loved the cats and the cats didn't have to eat the mice. And so think of that little tiny, that little tiny example of how everything would have been mm-hmm. yeah. perfect existence, and what's the word we use for it? Eden. Eden, yeah. Eden, the Garden of Eden. That's the perfection of what God created for humankind. In the presence of God, it says, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, Adam walked with God. How? In the what of the day? Cool of the day, thank you. The cool, did it say the blazing hot sun? No, I think. In the cool of the day, God walked with Adam, and then he creates Eve. Um, but this is perfect. The perfect trinity makes a perfect creation where everything, it's, it's gorgeous. And he makes this part called Eden, which is the perfect place for mankind to exist. And this perfect thing is then broken. It's fractured because man chose to sin. Some people in Christianity think humankind doesn't have a free will. Here's why I say that can't be possible, that we do have a free will. Because God made a perfect world. The Trinity made perfection. And he gave mankind a choice to live in perfection, but he gave them a choice, and they chose to listen to the serpent and reject God. That's what they did. They rejected God and God's ways. And suddenly... Dogs don't like cats, and cats eat mice. That's suddenly what happens. Sin affects everything. We're trying to say, what's it like for sin to affect everything? And I thought this. Because of sin, crops don't grow as they're supposed to, and hair doesn't grow as it's supposed to. Yeah, Gary, you resemble that remark. (laughs) Um, But think of that. You know, it affects literally everything. It says, you'll, now humankind will exist by the sweat of their brow. You're going to have to work to just eke out a living. And your hair's going to fall out, maybe, in the process. You know, and, and everything else. And you're going to wake up, as we talked about earlier, you get, you get out of bed in the morning and you walk like you're 100 years old, you know, going to the, going to the bathroom. Because your back hurts, your neck hurts, you know, your knees aren't working yet. Um, that's what happened because mankind chose to sin. So God made people his highest achievement. You know that's what you are? As a human being, Scripture says, of everything he created, we're the only thing he said we're very good. But think about this. Maybe you've never thought of this. We are the ones, humankind, you didn't do it, but our, our race did it. So, all, so therefore our race did it, so we're all part of it that we chose to reject God and sin, the highest achievement of God chose to reject God, which caused God the greatest pain he could ever experience. So we as humankind are not only his highest accomplishment, we are also his greatest sorrow because we rejected him. There were times in the Old Testament says, where God says, I wish I never would have made humankind because of the pain, this loving creation, this loving, I'm sorry, loving relationship creates the perfect world 
and part of that perfect world rejects God. So that's, Jesus starts in the Trinity, then Jesus is part of the Trinity that creates all the world perfect, and then the world falls apart. So what's, what's next? The incarnation. And I don't think much needs to be said about this. Because he came. That's it. He came because we needed a Savior. Yeah, we'll get to that in a moment. Mm-hmm. God in the flesh. What's incarnation mean? Um, incarnate means in the flesh. God came and became one of us. Understand this about Trinity. Everything goes back to the Trinity here. The goal of the Trinity is inclusion. You want to read a great book? It's called The Great Dance by Baxter Kruger. A little short book. Um, talks about how this is the goal of the Trinity. The goal of the Trinity is to include, to expand the love of the Trinity and include humankind and creation in that. So the incarnation is God included. So Jesus coming to earth. So Jesus starts as a Trinity, in Trinity. He's always in Trinity. The Trinity creates this perfect world. The perfect world rejects God. And then God himself becomes one of us and comes into our world that he created. Um, it's an extension the incarnation, the only way to understand Jesus coming, the incarnation, is to understand it in the sense of it's an extension of the Trinity's love to us. And the most amazing thing to me is, you know, when you understand God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all living together as one, and God the Son empties himself of everything to take on the form of a human as one of us to come to the same world we're living in right now to experience what we're experiencing right now. Pain and hurt. He experiences betrayal. He experiences joy. He experiences love. He experiences rejection. He experiences hate. He experiences peace. He experiences all of it willingly when he could have just stayed in the great dance. Mm -hmm. But he willingly leaves it all to come. That is a mind blower. I mean, I don't think any of us can can grasp it. You know, I mean, I just remember when, when I when I really, really fully started to grasp it, I just remember us talking. I'm like, I just don't get it. There is just no way to grasp, grasp it. Because it is so overwhelming, the amount of love that it took for him to make that decision. the amount of love that it took for the sacrifice. We think the amount of love that it took for the sacrifice to go to the cross, yes. But the amount of love that it took 
for the sacrifice to come down to earth and to leave all the glory of heaven. I think might have even, and I'm not saying it's greater, it's just different. It's just, again, it's a, it's a real mind blower. It's very overwhelming. And I think it's something like when you start to wrestle through that and you, you sit with, with the Lord in that and understand the, 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 not that he did it for everybody else, but he did it for you. It gets, like, it's, it's an aha moment. It's an aha moment that, wow, it's not just the cross. It's the manger. It's the manger is such a great sign of love. And, you know, we can't even, we can't fathom, we said this, we can't fathom Trinity. We can't fathom a perfect relationship without sin. And for him to, in that, in that, think how, how, you know, we don't, we only have what we have revealed, but the Trinity somehow having a conversation, but it says, even before the creation of the world, the lamb was sacrificed. So this has always been their plan. When they started off saying, let's make it, they knew, they knew that it was going to take the sacrifice of Jesus to redeem humankind. They knew it. So they did it even knowing that it was going to cost them everything to rescue us. And his way of saying, this is how much I love what I have created. So the incarnation is this extension of, of Trinitarian love. The Trinitarian love, he opens, they open up their arms and say, now we are completely all together because now Jesus is, as, as he never stops being part of the Trinity. As part of the Trinity, though, he empties in the text that Pastor Mitch read this morning from Philippians 2, that he empties himself, he gives up some of his his abilities or rights or privileges um, as God, and he becomes one of us to extend their love, to welcome all of us into the great dance. So God comes to us. He's fully God, um, and he's fully man. Something else that we just can't really comprehend. How can you be fully God and fully man? But it's revealed that that's who God is, fully God and fully man. So we, so we have the journey to, to the manger. Trinity. Trinity um, creates everything. And it is created, creates this extension of love, creates this beautiful cosmos and world. The apex of creation is humanity, and humanity rejects God. And so God himself empties himself of some of his, of his divinity, of some of his privileges, rather, and he comes and becomes one of us, knowing exactly how traumatic our lives are. That's why when we go through conflict or difficulty, he understands because he willingly entered into our world and he becomes one of us and he came one of us for a purpose, the fourth word, fourth concept today. Yep, and it's the one I think we, most of us know the, the most the, and it's the, it's the one that we, I think, grasp the most and it's Savior and it's the picture that I think we all can relate to that he just reaches down and he grabs us. We're drowning in sin. And we're drowning in sin. We're drowning in our circumstances. And he's like, I gotcha. I gotcha. I'm providing the way. And the way is the cross. And I'm not going to let you drown. I'm giving you the way. And 
the way is, accept me. Realize you're a sinner and accept me. Reach your hand out to the hand that's yep. been extended to you. That's the incarnation right. is God extending his hand yep. and he welcomes us to reach and grab his hand. So Savior, man yeah. needs saving. That's why that's Jesus right. came. Matthew one twenty one says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he Jesus. shall save his people from their sins. Yes. If you're breathing right now, you're humankind, you need saving. You just don't need saving the day that you say, because we have this concept of, of saying, I get saved. Mm-hmm. I, have, I, just say, I decide to, to surrender my life to Christ and follow him. But we need saving every day. There's never a day we stop needing saving. There's never a day we can say, okay, God, you can take your hand back. Mm -hmm. So that picture, we want you to think of that, that God is reaching, the incarnation is God reaching his hand down or reaching his arms around, and we need to be holding on, grasping, holding on to those hands that have been extended to us, that we need saving. So God became one of us to rescue us from sin, and that is just love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Yeah that whoever believed in him would not perish but will have everlasting life. Mm-hmm. God did it for us. As the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, God died for us. See, it's like, you think you could get better first? You got to clean up your act first to come to Jesus? No. You don't clean up your act first. You grab on the hand that's extended to you and you say, help. Help me, help me, help me. And he receives you just as you are every day when you reach up and grab him. He gives us a choice of the same free will. We can say, eh, keep your hand. I'll go it my way. I'll do it my way. You know, Frank Sinatra. Did it my way. You can do that. But guess what? Then you're going to do it your own way. And you're going to be on your own. And I'm telling you, you're going to sink. And you're going to die. And Scripture is really clear about this. There's judgment that comes for rejecting God's offer. And so, Savior. And I was, I was talking to, uh, this was, just came to mind, um, I was talking to somebody in the past week or two, and we were talking about, you know, how you come to Christ, and they're like, you know, it's just, it's, it's so hard, like, you come to Christ, and you're, you're saved, but, like, it's, it's like, why is it just hard? And I said, you know, when you come to Christ, there's the verse um, in Scripture, and I, I can't think of uh, what book it's in right now, but it talks about, you take up your cross daily, and you follow Christ. And yes, we have a Savior, but it, it's a daily walk with Christ. And it's, it's about the daily decisions that you make to follow Christ. And when, it's, when it gets hard, it's about still making the choice to follow Christ in the hard stuff. You know, it's, it's not once and done, right? I mean, yes, you come to Christ and you say, I, I, I accept you, I follow you, but it's in the daily decision, every day. And yeah, it's, it's hard, right? It's hard. It's hard. Temptations come. It's hard. You're the fruit of the Spirit, right? It grows. It doesn't just happen. Things come to mind you want to say. Sometimes you say it. Sometimes you choose not to say it, right? It's a daily, it's a daily growing. It's a daily choosing, and he's your savior. He's the one who saves you. He's the one who develops you. He's the one who transforms you. But he's the savior. Because we're still, it's yes. daily because we're still living in the world that's, that's right. corrupted. That's right. His kingdom has come. We come to know him. Mm-hmm. We live in his kingdom. 
the inclusion in the great dance. That's right. But we still live in a world that's going to be redeemed one day. That was the hope yes. of Christmas. The hope that one day new, new bodies, new heaven, new earth for eternity. Yep. Um, no sin. But we're not living in that right now. Yes. So it's a daily choice every single day. Yes. Um, so we better wrap this up. Yes, we're, we got we're, it. we're running out of time. You're right. You're talking too much. Yes. <laughs> we know that's never true, right? So when we think about Christmas, it's so much more than just a baby in a manger. It's about God himself coming to us, the Trinity himself creating everything and then welcoming us into his great dance through the incarnation and becoming a savior. It's God himself coming to us, people who are totally lost and helpless without him. He came to rescue us from the curse of sin and death. That's what he did by dying in our place for us. And when we remember this, it reminds us that he's still doing all of this today because he is still as alive and well today as he was any other day because he is still, Jesus is still the Trinity, part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit exist today. The inclusion of us is today through the incarnation and Jesus has been our Savior. He's our Savior today. He's reaching out today. So Jesus is still saving people. He's still setting people free from their sins. And he can do that for any one of us in the church today who calls out to him. And anyone who's struggling, who says, I have said yes to him, his hand is still extended to us. He's still the Savior. So I hope today what's happened is we understand the bigger picture of Jesus' journey to the manger a little better. That it didn't just start on a donkey going to Bethlehem. It started from all of eternity with the, with the Trinity doing all they've done for us. And if you could think of this and not, and not believe God loves you, well, then we've failed in our ability to communicate the big picture. But um, Jesus loves you. And he's the eternal son of God. And his plan's not finished. And he's still doing, they're still doing the amazing work of the Trinity. They're still including people. They're still healing people's brokenness from sin. They're still loving people. They're still reaching out to every single person on the planet because that's how great God is. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for being you. Lord, I know Suzanne and I today just did our best to try to give a little picture of how uh, majestic you are, how eternal you are, how that, that as, as Suzanne said, that we sometimes at Christmas, we get this microscopic view of, um, of just a little baby in a manger. But help us now when we see the, the image of the baby in the manger, it just causes our mind to expand to the idea that, man, where did you come from? And where are you now? That you are the eternal loving trinity and that you welcomed us into your presence through the incarnation. And that you've reached, as, you, as the incarnate son of God, you're reaching your hand to us every day. Every day, every day you're reaching because you love us. And I would just say this as we're praying and we end the service. If you've not really surrendered your life to Christ, we've tried to explain to you how much he loves you. And this is what I believe from Scripture is that when we try to explain it, the Holy Spirit himself speaks to your heart. I'm limited in my ability to explain things, but the Spirit of God 
is speaking to people right now. And maybe you're here right now and you've lost hope. Life just hasn't turned out the way you thought it was going to. You've lost hope. You say, I said yes to Jesus, but I've lost hope. Today, reach your hand up and grab Jesus' hand. He's right here. Maybe you're struggling through certain things and you feel like you're all alone. You're not all alone. Because Jesus has come. Reach up and grab his hand today as you walk with him. It's a choice again today, and I know it gets, it gets tiring at times. It's because we're drudging through the mud of a world in sin, but he's given us hope that it won't last forever. And maybe you're here today, and you say, I've never given my life to Jesus. The Christmas season is, is an interruption in our daily lives to remind us of the truth that God loves you so much he came into the world for you. And that he's reaching his hand out to you today. But you have to grab onto his hand. He's allowing you to say, you don't have to grab his hand. But today, if you're ready, he wouldn't force you. His hand is extended to you right now. Grab his hand say, Jesus, I desperately need you. I'm lost without you and I need you to rescue me. I turn to you as my Savior and I ask you to welcome me into your family. And Lord, from this day forward, I want to follow you. I want to walk with you. I don't even know what that all entails, but I know I want to, you've expressed your love to me and you've reached out to me and today I want to say yes. I want to walk with you. I want to turn away from my whole life of self-willed living and all the mess that caused. And I want to turn towards you and follow you and walk with you. So today, Lord, receive me into your family. Make me brand new from the inside out. Renew me on the inside. and Fill me with your joy and your hope and your love. We're going to close. I invite you to stand. We're going to sing a great old song, and then I'll come up and close the service when this is over.